This is a GRDC podcast. Grain growers at this year's Henty Machinery Field Days were given the opportunity to hear timely advice on crop management decision-making during drought. Hello, I'm Tony Crowley. The event was a GRDC and New South Wales DPI forum called Tough Season Questions Answered. Four DPI speakers addressed the forum, and you'll hear from these speakers in this special series of GRDC podcasts. Speaking to Michael Neil-Smith is New South Wales DPI's feed lab chemist, Richard Meyer. So I covered off on, uh, on um, drought-damaged or drought-stressed crop um, conservation, turning that into um, uh, silage and hay and the feed quality of that. What have our, what have our experiences been in the past? Um, we've had previous years where we've, uh, say 2008 and even... Um, frost damage in 2017 where we've recorded um, what the samples were like in those seasons and so we've, we can draw on that experience and um, learn from some of the lessons uh, also. What determines hay and silage quality? Well uh, there's a bunch of factors that determine quality but the most important of them is um, metabolizable energy. Uh, that's usually the most limiting um, component uh, and that that for production um, and crude protein would be secondary to that and what we like to do is see crude protein levels at a um, uh, at a level that matches the metabolizable energy um, and to a lesser extent also fibre content it can be a limit to intake and the more mature the plant gets we find that you get a lower ME you can get lower protein levels and higher fibre content which can be a limit to intake. Also um, water soluble carbohydrates can be really important in drought stress crops and um, what we find is we find um, you know quite high levels of water soluble carbohydrates and in fact we tested some in the some uh, drought stress crops in the last week and they were as high as 40 percent. We know that this can be a bit of a problem as far as curing hay, um, for instance, and also um, it can be a bit of an issue as far as um, causing hay shed fires, those sort of problems afterwards. What effect does stem frosting have on hay quality? Stem frosting pretty much slows down the uh, germination or or production of of grain in the plant. It can slow down growth of the plant. If there's subsequent um, fungal damage to the plant, that can can also have an impact on on the quality of the hay or silage produced. And in that context, what's the impact of timing? Timing's really critical, and that's what part of my talk about this morning was about, was um, trying to make some decisions early. If, if you're leaning towards uh, forage conservation, hay and silage production, then um, you want to produce a quality product, uh, and the longer you leave that decision-making process, the harder it can be to convert uh, that standing material into quality um, hay and silage. Um, so you're better off making a decision um, earlier rather than later. On the um, uh, product side of things, as far as silage and uh, hay is concerned, uh, there are testing services that can look for mycotoxins and tell you whether products are safe to uh, feed out. With those feed test kits, can you tell us what you put into those? Yeah, so a feed test kit, it's a reply paid service, so um, which people can order from the web or they can uh, phone up for them. which I can give details on in a second, but they're basically a um, sampling bag uh, within a larger post pack bag. They also have a submission form in there and some advice on sampling 
um, which is specific for uh, if they're sampling haze or silages or standing forage in a paddock. There's um, specific advice on, on all those things. As far as uh, uh, accessibility to those test kits, they, they are available. They're, they're free to uh, mail out to farmers and um, they're available if you ring 1800 675 623 or alternatively if you go to the New South Wales DPI website and look up feed quality testing uh, then there's a section in there where you can order uh, as many kits as you require and they'll be posted out to you free of, free of charge. How do you judge at what point it's worth not cutting crops for hay and silage in terms of their nutritional value? That's, that's a tricky one. The, the higher the maturity level, we, we know that um, uh, at the vegetative state they uh, have the most feed quality or the highest feed quality. Uh, once they get into that reproductive phase with seed development, um, you get uh, higher levels of fibre production and lower quality. Um, it's a diff- it is a difficult one to call. Uh, so, you, look, you can get some advice, uh, specific advice on... Uh, on it but um, you, you also get higher losses as well um, with higher levels of maturity particularly on canola uh, as most of that nutritious value is in the leaf material so uh, the, the longer crops are, are standing then the higher that leaf shatter and the, the higher the uh, losses during harvesting. Well, with canola how long after flowering can you still cut for hay? Look we have we have seen uh, canola harvested um, following some pod development and and with some reasonable uh, feed quality values um, it, it's it's obviously as I say there, there's going to be um, uh, a bit of a loss of feed quality following flowering I mean you can you can feed test standing forage if you have any doubt as to the quality uh, of it standing in the paddock uh, you can you can send some feed quality in if there's any doubt about it or get some specific advice from your agronomist about it and with regards to cereals, how long after flowering can you cut for hay with those? Cereals are much, uh, are much the same. They, they are going to, as they mature, they are going to lose a bit of feed quality as well. And what we see is if there, if there is a little bit of seed development um, and some start storage in there, that can actually pop up the, the feed quality a little bit as well. Um, but with the production of more fibre in that feed, that can, that can really restrict intake and, and lower the feed quality a little bit. So... So look, probably um, uh, early seed development would be would would be um, uh, best to probably draw a line. Possibly then, it's it's up to people's. Uh, you know, people have different situations, so it's so it's just a guidance only. And once again, they could use their agronomist or send some samples in if they have any doubts. So overall, Richard, what are what are some of your key take-home messages from today? Drawing from experience in the in in the past, I mean, we we looked at some values feed values that we had from um, the frosting of 2017 and also uh, the drought affected crops in 2008 and we've seen a massive uh, difference in the feed quality there. I think we had um, MEs that that range from 5.5 to 12.5 megajoules which is uh, from sub maintenance to to high production feeding and proteins between the range of uh, 3.5 to 35% protein. So look the, the key is what we're trying to do is encourage people to maybe make some decisions uh, a little bit early uh, rather than later if they if they are going to conserve forage and um, uh, also if they're buying or selling uh, drought uh, silage or hay that's made from from drought stress crops then uh, they really want to be doing some feed testing to to determine accurately the nutritional um, components there and that they're getting value for money. 
New South Wales DPI feed lab chemist, Richard Meyer. And while you can order a feed quality test kit for free, the test itself costs approximately $30. You'll find links to drought management and grain grower assistance on GRDC's website. Search for the Dealing with the Dry resources page. Before acting on recommendations or advice contained in these podcasts, first discuss it with an independent and professional agricultural advisor. The content of this podcast doesn't necessarily represent the policy or views of the GRDC.